0: Hey everyone, welcome to the industry show. I'm your host Nitin Bajaj and joining us today is Melinda Kim, the co-founder of PeopleSpace and JustPhonics. Melinda, great to have you here.
1: Thank you. You're really good at that, by the way, because <laughs> I, I do, I do sometimes have to do that and uh, it's not as easy as it looks.
0: <laughs> well, I'm trying, I'm learning.
1: Yeah, yeah, It's great. It's
0: great. So Tell us who is Melinda Kim.
1: Well, um, I've been the co-founder of People's Space, which is a nonprofit tech hub uh, that started in twenty thirteen. And um, part of it's co-working, and part of it is um, having our community, the tech community, get together um, at least a few times a year. A year, and also we provide a space for them to have meetups and have. It's a huge learning facility. Um, So that's really what the purpose has been. It's to really to facilitate a space for our local tech entrepreneurs and and tech um, professionals, actually. And um, recently, our JustPonics company was born about a year and a half ago, and and it's a totally separate product company um, that we were dabbling in. Um, So I would say, you know, I just kind of do whatever works. I don't know, you know, I'm like who I am. Uh, you know, I, I started as really wanting, uh, to facilitate, uh, our tech community, uh, in Orange County and then kind of just really grew from there.
0: So you're a true entrepreneur when you said, you know, you just do whatever needs (laughs) to be done. So that's the true entrepreneurial spirit, right? Uh, Give us a sense for the size and scale of PeopleSpace, right?
1: So PeopleSpace, a portion of it, it's really in, we have three major programs. Um, A portion of it is a co-working and the co-working piece really is the piece that pays for the operations. Um, And and a lot of people ask us that, like, how do you stay open? How do you keep open? Well, we do depend on people who work out of there and who rent from us and um, they're that part of our community. And the second part of the community is the tech community where they come through and they have meetups and that's our local community, which um, we have taken in about seven to eight meetups per year uh, depending on sp- very specific segments. So they it's, uh, the content is created because we wanna keep a certain type of content within people's space. And that's been the last uh, two to three years. And Obvious again with COVID-19 that has not been happening. And then the last portion of it is actually our global business. And every year we have between 40 to 60 uh, uh, foreign exchange students coming in to take uh, our AI training program. And they also sort of do their individualized Projects here, but really for them, again, it's like much of a very much of an experience program for them. Being able to experience technology in America, they go to CES, they go to different conferences. So uh, for them, it's like having that sort of American tech experience. So we sort of provide that, and that's been our most um, popular program, which is sort of our global program. So that was the way that was where we were heading um, in an expansion um, right before COVID nineteen.
0: It sounds really interesting, especially to give them that kind of exposure, like you said, not just of the tech space, but also with CES, where a lot of the companies are coming together so they can get all of that experience and exposure in one place and still continue to remain in Orange County, which is another major tech hub.
1: Right. And it's by the beach, you know, they really don't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> True.
0: <laughs> you know, since since we are in this uh, pandemic and you know, since this is all about getting people together, what do you think is the future of co-working spaces? I've been seeing in one in one segment, the line of thought is since people are going to start working from home, yes. uh, they're going to end up en- you know end up in a lot of co-working spaces, whereas the other argument is people don't want to get together. So co-working spaces, you know, yeah. don't really have a future.
1: That's the same argument we have <laughs> every day um you know the climate is changing so much every day and i am seeing a slow trickle of people coming back into the space um because i think we're about ninth week in now and i'm starting to feel the uh the antsiness of people who been working from home you know they come in they're like oh it's been so long <laughs> i can't do it anymore um, and then there's a, a, the opposite where like, oh, we can do this. We know, and, I, and I do feel like it's gonna be a split. Um, you know, for our business, obviously, yeah. I mean, two out of three businesses have pretty much been killed, right? Like we're, I, I'm probably not gonna have foreign exchange students coming back in, um, in one space, 40 to 60 students in one space. That's not even, re- that's not a reality. Um, and then with our meetups, and they've all gone virtual, and they're probably not gonna go normal anytime soon unless they restrict a certain amount of people, right? Maybe like, oh, we can only have 10 to 15 people. But once they're able to get an audience of 30 or 40, they're not, they're not going to say, well, I'm just for the sake of being in person, we're gonna have 15. Mm-hmm. So um, they might, you know, especially in the tech industry, they may find it more convenient. Um, and then for a third, it's co-working piece. And that was honestly the biggest question mark. The other two, I'm like, okay, that's not happening. But the question mark is the co-working piece because we don't really know how many companies are going to be downsizing. Um, we are experiencing a lot of companies like not being able to make payments um, or saying like, well, I still need an address, you know. For So there, we're, diff- we're seeing different problems. And um, and we are working very hard to sort of address that and within our capabilities, right? Because there's certain things that can make sense for our business and there are certain things that I know will make sense for the entrepreneur but maybe not, maybe not for our business. So we have to weigh that out very carefully. And um, at this point, it really just depends on the company and the need. So that's sort of, Currently, it's what's happening with the co-working spaces business, and obviously, we made a lot of adjustments, uh, like no community areas, making sure that like all the desks are six feet apart, and then we're putting up more um, sort of like barriers and cubicles and stuff like that. So when people do return, they won't feel. Oh, and then we're also working on our own air filter, <laughs> so we're three D printing our own air filters so that they have their own like personal air filter in their own space. Um, so that's kind of something that we're sort of, work, sort of working on it's
0: yeah it's just more of a, <clears throat> a wait and watch to see how things evolve yeah,
1: yeah we really don't know I mean I joke but not joke but you know it's like people's space may not be around I mean it's just a part of reality it's like if no one needs the space and they're all working from home and they're absolutely fine with it um, you know all the co-working spaces is really going to realign and readjust um, or adversely you know you can say yeah the the big companies are all downsizing because a lot of them are working from home. So they're, they're going from like 30 to like 10, right? So they're going to, the real estate needs are, are going to be very different.
0: And, or you could look at the other end of it, which is a lot of people are going to walk, want to work from home. And since there is a lot of population that is doing that, they may not really want to work from home. So they may find a place that's closer to them, but is still a, a, a workspace and you might see a, you know, a, a bump in, in demand that you, you you know you're looking at getting additional space to, to fulfill it.
1: Right. Well uh, and and I do see that because I love people, especially with kids, it's really hard to work from home. <laughs> so um I'm surprised my dog's not barking right now during the Zoom call to be honest.
0: <laughs> so while people are trying to figure out you know what is going on and, and what are we doing, a lot of us have taken up gardening which brings into perspective your other company, your other business. Right. Tell us more about JustPonics.
1: Yeah, so Gisponics, um, we have re-innovated the Bell Siphon, and and it's a very niche, niche market. It's um, We started with an aquaponics kit for kids, and in the midst of it, we understood that the Bell Siphon, which is a component in aquaponics, is... A very interesting and very sciency component that we um, wanted to reinvent because there was really nothing out there like it that can you can just plug and play. Um, most people have to build it themselves. So we sort of realized this little market, and we um, made a little sample out of our three D printer, and we started selling them on Amazon and and Etsy. Um, and we've been selling them since then. And you're right. So since COVID-19, uh, that side of the business has picked up <laughs> because people suddenly have this time to build an aquaponic system in their backyard that they have always wanted but could never do because it, you know, not only do you build it, you still have to maintain it. And then the beginning of the build is always a little bit tough. Uh, you're dealing with the fish, then livestock, and then and then in the and the bell been um, so that portion of the business actually have sort of um, increased and then we are um, going towards um, more commercial. So we're actually going to like microgreens and um, um, building a siphon for like different racks and systems and stuff like that. So uh, that business is about a year and a half old. So, I, you know, I, it's just like anything else. Uh, the first year is always kind of a blur. We're just muddling through and... Um, and, and finding the flaws in our in our product. And then this year we're developing new product and hopefully we can kind of serve like a different, like a bigger, bigger segment.
0: But so, the you was... off, <clears throat> so you found your product market fit. You started off with more of the the novice uh, people that are kind of getting into this. And now you're looking to scale it up and get into more of the commercial, the professional and the Correct. bigger, larger scale uh, growers. Correct. Okay. Yeah. In terms of uh, between aquaponics and hydroponics, at least in in the little research that I did, it seems like aquaponics is more efficient, more maybe even more organic. Is that would you tend to agree with that?
1: Yes. So aquaponics is using fish poop uh, as nutrients versus hydroponics is pure water, and you have to add in the nutrients. Mm -hmm. So. um, they both you know conserve water because it's like recycling of water so that's what the bell siphon does is it pumps up water up and then it flushes the water back into the tank and then it recycles that water so you're not uh, um, as in planting planting in the dirt once you go once you water it the water is gone and you have to like sort of continue to do that. Um, so for hydroponics um, you do have to put more nutrients in and for agroponics it's you also have livestock so it's another variable as well because now you have livestock uh, that you are trying not to kill <laughs> i'm gonna stay alive so that they can you know use their poop as nutrients and it gets filtered through going back into the plant so more organic yeah
0: yeah it's it's a very interesting concept of you know recycling and, and having that ecosystem that's self-sufficient how did you get started with this
1: so one of our partners was had their his own uh tank I guess a few years back and I you know we sit around all the time talking about ideas I mean you will not even believe the ideas that we come up with I mean it is what about this and what about that like maybe we should have a construction business I mean really it's all over the place um so a lot of times we talk about interests and, and different things and I think a couple, a year and a half ago, I think that was, so how it was started was we were having our next um, global exchange students coming in and we were sort of wanting to think about different projects that they can do. And a lot of the AI is gathering data, right? And then um, using the data, you know, to build on the product. And so one of the interest in one of my partners, but they're both tech, they're all technical by the way, um, was, you know, he's, Like, well, we've been looking into AI to read different plant cycles and and growing and, you know, how to grow. So we thought, well, let's maybe we'll try to grow something and then we'll use different. and And then the students can build different sensors to use video and then to sort of learn and build something off of that and gather data. And that was really how I started. I was like, "Oh, that's cool. That sounds fun." Uh, <laughs> and I like, wish you do microgreens, and th- and that was how we started because microgreens are easy to grow. So <laughs> that was our first sort of crop. Like we uh, bought a bunch of stuff for microgreens, and then the students came in, and they, um, I think they were supposed to build like a pH sensor and, and different kinds of things, uh, and or uh, taking. I think this year it was um, having them take photos and recognizing like different diseases or plants. So that was kind of like one of the projects, right? So that was how I started. And then one thing led to another, it became this spell siphon thing. And then one of my other partners like, well, we can re- we-, we can do that, you know? How hard could it be? It's always like, how hard could it be, right? <laughs> we can do that. We can We can 3D print that as one piece instead of always, you know, building it with PVC pipes. Um, so that was how that started and it worked, uh, <laughs> but it was really hard. The science of a bell siphon is actually really sophisticated and that's why a lot of people can't get it right <laughs> because it is that hard. So we, I mean, a year and a half later, sometimes we still fail. Uh, we will, will make some modification and all of a sudden the whole thing breaks. I'm like, well, okay, well, that didn't work, you know? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that's sort of how I started.
0: That's really interesting how you <clears throat> started looking for projects and and that led to this whole discovery. And I think the the challenge of something not being easy makes it even more enticing for an entrepreneur to get in and, you know, okay, I found a problem, I want a solution for it now.
1: I mean, yeah, and I'm sure my partner will tell you at certain points, I'm sure he's like, wow. Oh.
0: This is too hard
1: <laughs> 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 to get the exact calibration of a siphon. It's it sometimes can be really frustrating. I mean, it would just take days and days and months. And um, I think what one sprint took about like a month and a half or two just to get one siphon out. And um I think there were points where we were like, maybe this is not a good idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, what have we got ourselves into?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that it definitely is. And um And every modification we still have to test because sometimes one little thing can break the whole thing and we're like what just happened how did that happen you know so that's how it started yeah
0: that's the fun part of working with people that you know are more than just you know friends or at least when you look at it as part of the what the community can do where you can bounce off these ideas and thoughts and come up with something that may sound crazy and then here you are a few weeks in and it's, it's a business.
1: Yeah. I mean, we started, I guess it was July. So not last year or the year before. So it's almost, almost two years. So yeah, two years, I would not have known two years later I would still be doing Bell Siphons. And if you ask me three years ago, what a Bell Siphon is, I'd be like, no idea. Zero <laughs> clue.
0: <laughs> Talking about community, you're, very tightly knit in the Orange County community, especially on the tech side of things. And you're also a landlord, what do you make of you know what's with what is going on with the startups coming in, with looking at, you know, how they're how they survive, some that don't. What are your observations as a tech leader yourself, but also someone who's on the other side providing some guidance, some mentorship? and also being able to look at these startups as they come and go through people's space.
1: Yeah, so I take a pretty traditional view um, on businesses because I, you know, being an entrepreneur myself, I understand the core business a lot of times is not sexy, you know, and it's not really even about tech. And so I look in the core business of what they're doing rather than the cool tool that they're using. the tech side of it is really a tool, right? Like it's really, and for a non-technical person, that is the hard part. Because you can have the ideas, but they need to find somebody who's competent enough to build it, mm-hmm. and that is really the biggest challenge that I do see. You know, they try everything. They they try outsourcing. They try um, recruiting. You know, for their CTO, um, they try to get someone, and, and just to get a product out is really tough as far so for me once i see somebody having something built uh it's a huge milestone Uh, especially for a non-technical person because i feel like that it's the toughest part i feel like and so that's why uh just having idea it really isn't enough because having someone to build it and build it correctly or or be able to scale with you um not being you know outsourcing and not being able to scale, uh, understanding that whole process, I, it's a huge milestone. So I don't know if I digress, but uh, that so that's, makes
0: a lot of yeah, sense. Yes. Yeah, so one thing sense is, sense. the key is to have the right people so you can first build the thing, right? And then the other thing is executing on it.
1: Right. Yeah. And so the success of the business, the differences I've seen is, really takes a good team it's not only the hustle but it's the uh, solidarity of the team and the um and the grit really mm-hmm. and then having a high standard for quality that's another huge thing um i do see quite a bit it's really the, the quality of the product being able to get pushed out and then the amount of hustle they can put anything you can put in <laughs>
0: And then also being able to stay true to the you know as you find out more right the the ups and downs of or when you hit a roadblock being able to pivot yeah that's, pivot that's, or also you know hustle through and and keep at it right like the the challenge that you talked about yeah you've been at and it.
1: Yeah, I, one of our most successful startups has been through um I don't know if you've heard of my spike camp bike mm-hmm. um, uh, camp they they um Newport Beach and Fashion Island and so recently because of COVID-19 I think their business really have gone through the roof. from what I'm hearing actually I've not spoken to them because I think they're really really busy right now um but also It'd be a good time to
0: remind them about your equity in their in their company <laughs>
1: <laughs> well uh they rented space so they were never in our incubator per se uh they they were way past that by the time they they got to us so but um to say the least you know i've always known that like they're 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 huge hustlers they they go for it they have grit they they do what it takes um and they hit the timing as well so on top of everything it's also timing so you know startups are hard you can have a great product, but uh, bad timing—that's a no-go as well. So not only do you have a great team, you have a great product, and then uh, if you can hold out enough, or like that timing hits, um, then I think you got something.
0: Like you said, you know, it's not just—it's <clears throat> not about high valuations and and you know entrepreneurship being sexy. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of consistency, a great team. And then also making sure that you're at the right place at the right time, right? I mean, right. you don't know how to do it, but it has to be done.
1: I mean, that's when the stars align, right? But yes. I also remind people, um, you know, because I do have people coming to me and oh, wow, well, have you heard of this startup? I'm like, yeah, but you know what? They've been at it for three to four years. You know, they started as something completely different when I when I knew them. So it wasn't easy. I know sometimes when you look at like them on the way up, you think uh, that they just like made that? No. like they've been at it literally for about three, four years, gone you know, having gone through multiple different rounds of funding and different types of pivots and understanding investor world and understanding you know their market. It's what's big enough but small enough. you know they really have been able to, go through all of that it wasn't the easiest three to four years <laughs> so i do have to remind people that like it's um uh, it's been a long time for them
0: it's the overnight success that takes you know five or even in some cases ten years
1: right. i always say i you know an average good one made it's like eight you know not everybody's an instagram it's uh
0: yeah <laughs> it's really true
1: likely Something. not yeah a, a, a true core business, a true business is, it, it just takes that long.
0: How has the entrepreneurial community treated you as a double minority?
1: Yeah, so that's a really, really good question. Um, it's actually a topic that comes up quite a bit with me. Um, so on one point, I, so there's a double minority, right? I am Asian and I know this is not a very popular answer, but I never really felt the difference. I never I race has never really been a mental barrier for me uh and I can't say that for other people really um I, I just feel like I mainly grew up here I feel like m- my English is good enough uh <laughs> to to not be discriminated against um and for some reason I feel like I look mixed of some kind. So I've, the treatment of me, I always felt like has been a little different. So I, I can't really say that, you know, I can't really um, extend that out to everybody. Um, and But as in a female, I have definitely have felt at times um, excluded from, from the boys club, um, you know, where they, yeah, let's go surfing, you know, or, so, well, I, <laughs> that's not something I do, or it, it's or it's not even a question to me, you know, half the time. But it's like the whole golfing thing. But you know, that's where all the stuff happens is when they are surfing, when is when they are doing things. That's when
0: business does happen. That's when they talk the about thing that happens in, in right.
1: Things. So I always sort of felt like I couldn't get into that um, type of thing. It's, I guess it's like the golfing scenario. Right. And um, one could argue, well, you can learn golfing or you can learn, yeah, I can learn it, but being invited is a different thing, right? <laughs> so to me, um, I have definitely have sort of experienced that portion. Now, as in, in the investor world, uh, I felt the opposite. I felt like being a woman had helped me, um, that I was able to get into my first accelerator within, you know, nine months of being in tech um being able to build out product and being able to recruit uh, i felt like it has been advantageous for me and i also have a friend from 500 startups and she um i forgot which class she was in but she was one of of uh, the ladies who raised the most money for her cohort uh, you know so i felt like the timing of this coming up has Still is a struggle. I'm not saying it's not, but I really do feel that because there is an, a focus on it that I feel like the women entrepreneurs really with the grit and, and with um, and who are smart and who can really do this stuff, I feel like can, and can back up their pitches, you know I really feel like uh, has a really good chance of sticking out and, and making something really great. So on one hand, I do feel like I, because I was, I am a woman, I'm where I am. Mm-hmm. And I can't say if I was a white male, that I will be sitting here with you. You know, um, on the other hand, I have definitely have also felt the exclusion, you know, of uh, the good old boys club. and And that's, I think, sad to say but normal right it's a it's an it's like a normal reality for a lot of us or i've had i've been in meetings where the guy never looked at me once and talked to my partner and 10 minutes in i'm like nope not doing business with that guy (laughs) ever (laughs) so you know um has its pros and cons and i feel like we are on our way but still have a ways to go. And yeah, I don't know if that answers the question.
0: It does. So, <laughs> okay. you know, the, the time is, the time is favorable. Things are changing. Uh, women are getting the, the I would say the preferential treatment that I truly deserve, believe women deserve for the yeah. talents, you know, uh, that are brought in. And I think we, we are trending in the right direction, right? Are we there yet? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're at least heading in the right direction, and and that's a positive thing.
1: Yeah, and I really want to also like hound on. It's not just like any woman, you know. I don't want. I don't also don't like the fact that it's like, well, you have to have one woman on board on on the board. So like, they're gonna just pick that one token woman, you know? No, that's not what I'm saying. But having that woman who really has the stuff, you know, to to back herself up, who really has that talent, um, and not get looked over for once, you know. That I, I really feel like that's it's
0: that so don't do diversity just for the heck of it right just
1: right yeah because that uh you know it's like the there, there's that token yeah. <laughs> than... that token yeah. minority on the board we know that you really don't want her there but mm-hmm. you have to have her because now it's part of the policy it's uh, right. yeah
0: what are your sources of inspiration especially you know as we talk about all these challenges these issues Uh, These problems, where do you draw your inspiration from?
1: Oh, wow. Um, working with really smart people, uh, it just I think the what really drew me in in the tech world is, uh, I just admire really smart people (laughs) and. Being able to work with them and um, seeing things come to life like to, to live from ideas into something that, that's tangible um, and to learn from people who are just fundamentally smarter than you uh, and, and go to work like that every day. Um, I think it's, I just don't think that's work. I just feel like that is like the best life you can have, you know, like uh, not going to a nine to five and going there and do something repetitive. Um, But being able to get inspiration from people around you, I think to me has been, uh, I just love smart people. It's Mm -hmm. really awesome. They're really awesome.
0: (laughs) True. And then you can, you know, bounce off ideas and, and then a few weeks later, you're head deep into something that you have no idea about, and then you're figuring it out and becoming. And we're right.
1: Figuring it out, yeah, and um, yeah. Sometimes I feel like you know, it's like always like kind of like a marriage, you know. It's always nice to be like, "How do I deserve you? Like, how did I get here?" You know, and and uh, they can say the same for you, where uh, I'd be like, "No, but you're just so much smarter," you know. I just think that dynamic is like, uh, really awesome.
0: Being able to mentally challenge each other, right? Stimulate yeah. those, those senses and, and keep that interest going in, in the right direction.
1: Yeah. And just learning from each other and keeping each other accountable and, um, seeing things from different perspectives, I think is really awesome. I think having the right team, I cannot even stress. And I know it's the hardest thing to do and, but you, you find it, you just, you keep it. Um, and having a diversity in your team is really great. You know, we have a team that, you know, one is like really conservative and, and can always kind of talk about the other side of perspectives and, and, and one's a bit more of a risk taker and, and one of us, you know, so we all kind of contribute and we, sometimes the balance is hard. It's, you know, it takes a few hours sometimes to sort things out. Um, but having those perspectives is, to me, it's gold because those are the perspectives that other people out there are thinking about that you don't think about, you know, um, especially when it comes to like, uh, like privacy issues or data or, um, or just uh, like ethical issues, you know, it's like, can we do that? Should we do that? Maybe we shouldn't do that, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So um, I think tech right now, especially like with things like AI and data and privacy, there's a lot of ethical discussions too within our team that uh, the team has to agree on. You know, so I think that's a very, it's another very interesting dynamic, uh, I think, in the coming years. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, especially with everything going online.
1: Yes. How do
0: you you even figure out with all that data out there?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, everything going online. um, Yeah, just a a lot more ethical. I think definitely a lot of more ethical, moral, social issues. Um, I think tech companies will be, facing so um and having the, the team that can be one you know that can decide on these things i think are, are going to be challenging as well
0: Well, this was amazing thank you so much for taking the time i had a really great time and i'm sure our audience will enjoy this as well
1: oh so. i'm so glad hopefully
0: <laughs> oh, it was amazing this was i really learned a lot you know and as especially as you were going through describing the team dynamics and what inspires you and you know i think to me that's the most valuable thing of being an entrepreneur is to connect with people that are at the same wavelength even if we disagree on certain things and more so because we disagree it brings out the best in us it challenges us to say hey no you know but this is this is why i think or i believe this is my perspective and then that helps us learn so much more, go deeper into the research and bring out the best that we have.
1: Yeah, because I think when you're younger, you just want to win an argument, yes. right, in your 20s. And it's like, no, I'm right. But uh, now I have a very different perspective on different opinions and being able to respect that and then coming to a compromise is so much more rewarding. So um yeah, I mean, I know people always say having the great team is the most important. And I know we hear it all the time and all the time and all the time. But what does that actually mean? What does having a great team mean? And who are you actually looking for, right? Uh, I think that dynamic is, uh, it's almost magic. its, it's
0: mm-hmm.
1: It has to be magical and it's not easy.
0: <laughs> I can tell the, <clears throat> the the real joy, the real fun for you comes from those, those dynamics, those interactions and the back and forth on how do we make this better? Yeah. It true.
1: Yes. I mean, um, not easy all the time, but I think that we've gone a long way. Um, and the understanding, like knowing what I know now, I know how important that is. So I value it instead of yeah. um, thinking that it's frustration.
0: And you guys haven't killed each other yet, so... (laughs) Yes,
1: (laughs) you know, that's always a good sign.